You're listening to the Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode six of the Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings. The return we've all been waiting for is finally here. The UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. That's right, tomorrow night. If you're listening on Friday, be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, for a shot to turn $1 into $257. That's right, it's very easy. New users can bet $1 on Conor McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, he'll be cashing out $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It is that simple. Of course, it's not just UFC this weekend. There's lots of NFL you can get in on, as well as the NHL and NBA. You can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And when you do it, use promo code THPN when you sign in to turn $1 into $257. If McGregor wins by first round knockout, place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code THPN for new players to get $257 if Conor McGregor wins by first round knockout for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And uh, I'm sure everyone cares about how my DraftKings is going. And last night, I had Leon Dreisaitl. Of course, he had that goal. That helped me out quite a bit. I didn't finish in the money, but I only did a dollar bet. So I wasn't losing too much. Still makes it a lot better when you can finish inside the money and uh, collect a little cash. That is with DraftKings. A lot of fun. I highly recommend it. And if you get involved, THPN. Make sure you use that promo code when you sign up. I am Connor Halley, and once again, you guys, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast. And uh, the Edmonton Oilers, of course, coming off a 3-1 victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs on Wednesday night. They're in action tonight. If you're listening Friday morning, of course, they uh looking to go back to back of beating the Toronto Maple Leafs, who may be without Joe Thornton as well as Austin Matthews. Joe Thornton took the hit on Wednesday night, left the game, and Austin Matthews left practice early on Thursday. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen, who will be in the lineup during that game, but regardless, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a lot of depth on that team. So it will not be an easy one for the Edmonton Oilers on this show today. We're going to talk about that game with Tom Gazzola. He is the pre- and post-game show host on TSN 1260. We'll talk about that game. We'll also preview tonight's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, see what they have to do to come away with another victory. We're going to talk to a guy whose voice you know. If you went to a game down at Rexall Place between 1981 and 2016. He was the in-house public address announcer, Mark Lewis, going to hop on the podcast, talk about some of his favorite stories, how he got into the business, and uh, the time he messed up and said his name instead of a Hall of Famer's name. We'll get to that later on. Also, Jamie Thomas will join us. He is the Winnipeg Jets radio analyst, and, of course, the Edmonton Oilers taking on Winnipeg Sunday night. It is a few days down the road, but I want to make sure we got a preview for that one before uh, before that game gets played. So Jamie Thomas will join us. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Jamie Thomas. But let's talk about Wednesday night's game. And the Edmonton Oilers, we were critical of their defensive play, and they adapted. I mean, they played a very strong defensive game against a high-power Toronto Maple Leafs team holding them to only 26 shots on goal. And yeah, that might not be the smallest amount, but that Toronto team generates a lot of offense. So I thought they did a very good job in that. They blocked 19 shots, and you could see it. There was an overall commitment to defensive play in that game. Nico Koskinen was strong, only letting one goal in. A bit of a soft yes, but overall his play was a lot better. And then on the flip side, I mean, the offense wasn't amazing, but two of the goals they score are right from their hard work. And the first goal that they score, Dominic Cahoon and Kyler Yamamoto doing the dirty work behind the net, battling for possession. Kyler Yamamoto throws the puck out in front, and Jimmy Vesey, while attempting to clear it, banks it off of Jake Muzzin. The puck goes in the net. Leon Dreisaitl's out in front, 
battling there as well. Kyler Yamamoto gets credit for the goal, but uh, it doesn't happen without the other guys there as well. So, you know, not the most beautiful of goals, but hey, they don't ask how, they ask how many. So that got the Oilers on board first. They would get a power play goal as well. Yes, he pulled battling out in front. The puck takes a deflection off of him, goes to Leon Dreisaitl. He makes no mistake, and the Oilers would add an empty netter. 3-1 victory for them, but they did have their chances, and one that I threw out there on Twitter, if you want to give me a follow, at Connor Halley, was Connor McDavid breaking down the left wing. He puts it on the tape of Zach Cassian, who rings it off the crossbar. Pretty good effort, actually, by Zach Cassian. I don't want to make it seem like he whiffed on it, didn't even get the shot away. He puts it off the crossbar very close. Close to scoring a goal there, and uh, I kind of just threw it out there. Imagine if Connor McDavid had a winger who buries those. Not as a shot at Zach Cassian, but if you had a guy who was just a straight finisher for Connor McDavid, my gosh, there are some things that would be really remarkable to see when those two got out there. And, and let's hope they find one one day. Just a pure finisher for Connor McDavid, that would be a real fun sight to see. But the Edmonton Oilers overall. A good effort. And I think it was just a really good sight to see for Oilers fans. You wanted to see them bounce back with a strong defensive performance, showing that they could do it, and they did. And uh, you just hope that they build off it. And that can continue a Friday night. The Oilers and Leafs in action. Puck drop 5 o'clock Mountain Time. If you are looking for some pregame coverage, you can join our next guest, Tom Gazzola, on the pregame show. We'll also have former NHLer Matt Cassian, Jason Greger, and Jason Strudwick. It's on TSN 1260 starting at 4 o'clock. Let's get to it with Tom Gazzola, the host of the pre- and post-game shows. You can also catch him on the oil stream with Dustin Nielsen, occasionally on Two Guys and a Goalie. Tommy, did I miss anything? <laughs> you know what, Connor? That was uh, more than abundant enough introduction. There are a few other things that I, I'm on, but, man, uh, we don't have time. We need to talk about the real hard-hitting issues, fourth-line wingers. The fourth-line wingers, that is a pressing yes. issue right now. I, I know you're on with Gregor Monday through Friday, of course, you're on with Dustin Nielsen, I believe, Wednesday. Is Wednesday your hit on the oh, morning yeah. show with TSN? So. Yeah, 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 that's the new one. It's It kind of has like a Game of Thrones theme to it. Oh, really? <laughs> I have a new nickname, Sir Thomas of uh, something sword. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's just like... One day this, one day that, one day I'm on here, I'm on that. I, I honestly love it. Like, it's just, it's fun. I mean, there's worse things I could be doing than talking hockey with everybody. Like, it's just, that's the fun part. Yeah, and right now, as we sit, we're five games for the Edmonton Oilers into the NHL season. They have four points, two and three record coming off a big win last night in Toronto. And uh, I know Dave Tivitt was a little bit frustrated at the media today because, of course, they, they play sloppy and were critical. Then they win ugly and were critical. But what did you make of the win last night against the Maple Leafs? Good defense. And uh, it was ugly. There's no denying it. But that was the first time, Connor, that they didn't allow 30-plus shots. And I think that's a step in the right direction defensively. The PK was good. The power play clicked. And yes, it was not pretty. Uh, yes, there were some of us in the media who did not like it and complained about it. And yes, it was enjoyable to see Dave Tippett kind of lean into the media on that. And quite honestly, I think at the end of the day, and we saw this on the post-game show, and I'm sure you saw it on, on the text line and, and uh, on the Gregor show as well, is at the end of the day, I think the majority of Oilers fans were just happy that they won and got off the schneid because two and three is a hell of a lot better than one and four. And now all of a sudden, they have a date with Toronto again on Friday, and they're two points back, and, and Toronto currently is in top spot in the North Division. I know Vancouver and, and the Montreal Canadiens are going toe-to-toe again, and that might have some... Some say in in the standings certainly, and it's going to be like that every day of the of, of the season. But at the end of the day, two and three with the chance to go five hundred against a team that's perceived to be one of the best in the division, and we don't know if Austin Matthews is going to play. He left the ice early on Thursday, and we know Joe Thornton is going to miss some time after Josh Archibald hit him. So all in all, it's two points. You got you got off the Schneid on the power play. PK was good. Uh, I think, you know, in a couple of days, we're not even going to look at this game anymore. We're going to forget about it and just say, oh, yeah, they won that game. Absolutely. And, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl, he gets his first goal of the season, uh, was in front battling, which helped lead to the first goal for the Oilers. Like, to me, that's that's the thing that's nice to see. The first goal, yeah, it was ugly. And you, you can't rely on those breaks to happen all the time. But Dominic Cahoon and Kyler Yamamoto working below the goal line, 
Leon Drysdale parked right out in front, causing a little bit of havoc, and the Maple Leafs score one of those themselves. So you don't bank on that happening too often, but it was a good goal. On the power play, of course, the puck bounces to Leon Drysdale with a wide-open net, but the the shots were getting on net. They were putting shots on net, hoping for good things to happen, and they did. They squeak out with a win. Uh, one thing I put on Twitter last night, and I, I saw Zach Cassian, the goal, or the opportunity he had for a goal, hits the crossbar, takes a pass from Connor McDavid, and my tweet was, Connor McDavid needs a winger who buries these because he finds <laughs> yes. guys like that all the time. And, you know, for the Oilers right now, like they need these goals. They need these things to happen. In your opinion, is that Cassian the right guy on the line with Connor McDavid? <sighs> for I, and, and that was a good tweet, by the way. I saw it and I had a little chuckle to myself. I, I think that the leash is getting shorter for Zach Cassian. We heard the frustration on Wednesday during Dave Tippett's post-practice availability when he was asked about Cassian by Jason Greger. And you could tell he was, he was kind of shortened to the point about Cassian. They need more from him. Yes, he had the birth of his daughter on Saturday and that first loss to Montreal. And I'm sure things are kind of a scramble. You know, you've got this new little one at home. Then you got to hit the road, but you got to play these games. You're playing every second night. I get that. That's probably a lot on your mind away from the rink. But at some point, they need him to contribute. And, Connor, that that was a great opportunity for him to really put the game on ice. And the Leafs came close. Jason Spezza just missed an opportunity to tie it up. Then Josh Archibald went and scored that empty netter. But if that goal had, and shot had gone in, we wouldn't even be talking about a Josh Archibald empty netter likely or Jason Spezza almost scoring to, to get the Leafs back into the game. I think Cassian generally buries those, and uh, he's, maybe he's snake bit. Maybe all that is going on away from the rink is affecting him to a certain extent, but they need him going, and he has proved it works on that line. He had a career season last year in 71 games, and he didn't even play that because he got suspended a bunch of times. So I, I think that for the time being, he can work on that line, but patience is wearing thin, and when you have two cerebral players like Nugent Hopkins and McDavid as your line mates, you need to be chipping in offensively. It doesn't matter what your skill set is, and he's got a good skill set. Yeah, I mean, and, and my goal of the tweet wasn't really to shame Cassian in any means. Like, I, I think he's a very functional player for the Edmonton Oilers team. He's got a skill set that is really unique where he can play up and down the lineup. But it was more so that imagine if Connor McDavid had that guy who buried that, you know, nine yeah. times out of ten or... Even more, like a, a Patrick Line type, per se. You know, you're not going to get that kind of player, but, you know, having that kind of guy, I mean, the Oilers' offense would just be even more deadly. And, uh, I think Zach Kasten, like you said, I mean, there's times he buries that, but on that play, unfortunately, just didn't work out for him. A uh, guy who scores a lot of goals in his NHL career, James Neal, looking like he'll return to the lineup on Friday night when they take on the Maple Leafs. Where do you think he slots in? It seems like, at least reading Jack Michaels' tweet with his eyes and ears in Toronto, because Jack's not traveling this season and it's probably killing him, but it's not like you can really do anything when you travel. I see him kind of where Joachim Nygaard was on that third line left wing with Churis and Pugliarvi. I think that's a good spot for him. And uh, Nygaard, as, as feisty and tenacious as he was in training camp and, and taking the puck hard to the net when he had it, uh, and then also doing okay when he's been in the lineup. I think James Neal is an upgrade there. He boosts your power play. He gives you that net front presence. He has a nose for the net. He scores greasy goals. He scores nice goals around the net. He has the touch, Connor. He just has this knack for scoring. And 10 times in his career, he's had 20-goal seasons. He would have had a 20-goal season last year probably if they would have played those last 11 games. And I think that you can't knock the body of work that James Neal has compared to a guy like Nygaard. So that's where I see him sliding in. And I think that that's where he was skating, uh, according to Jack from his tweet earlier in the day. So if he's ready to go, he's passed all the tests, he's fit and limber, uh, COVID is now behind him, then uh, get him in there. Because I, I, I know there's people that don't think that James Neal is the player he used to be, and that might be. But I still think he has a lot to give, and uh, he might be limited in his skating ability and his five-on-five offense, but 
there is a certain element he does bring to the table. He was really good in the return to play. One of the few bright spots for the Oilers against Chicago, and I'm sure he's hungry to get going again. Yeah, and I kind of laugh when people say, you know, he's not the player he used to be. Well, man, I'm not the person I used to be when I was 24. Like, I just, right. I wake up, I'm a little bit more sore. It takes me a little bit, you know, you got to stretch it out a little bit more before you get out there. So, yeah, I mean, th- those instincts, though, those will be huge for them, and uh, probably at some point you'll see him on the power play. But uh, what did you think of Jesse Pugliarvi getting the 53 seconds of power play time. Would you like to see that uh, continue? Well, he picked up a point. <laughs> he picked up a point on the power nice play. Nice little pass. Yeah, yeah I, there's some little things he's doing well in, in his brief stint back here so far. Uh, I, I wouldn't put him ahead of James Neal on that power play position, but it's it's a good sign. And it also tells you, too, that Yamamoto, Chase on, that, that combination's not working. So if Dave Tippett's throwing Yassipuliarvi out there and he feels that there's a bit more trust, then that's a good sign for the young Finn who's made his return. Do I want to see it uh, permanently right now? No. I'll be honest, Connor, I don't. I, I'd rather, again, see James Neal there. Maybe you give Puliarvi that second power play unit time. And uh, they get the crumbs, I know, but sometimes they get 45 seconds plus out there. And, and if they can get one or two every now and then, that'd be great. And if he could contribute that way, I think if you know what the other thing, too, with him, five on five, short power play time, whatever. I think if he can score an ugly goal, that'll do so much for his confidence. And then maybe he can find a way to to release the that wicked shot that he does possess. But to this point, he really hasn't done that. And I know Jason Strudwick has spoken about it as well. But get a get an ugly goal. But to answer your question, for the time being, I think uh, James Neal can slide in there if he's ready to go. Pooley Harvey can take uh, power play two minutes. With James Neal as well, like, I mean, you've been around the team a lot more than I have. Does he seem like the guy that would not be afraid to just tell a guy like McDavid or Dryas how to, like, put this on net? Like, I'll do the rest. You get it in front. Just look, give me an opportunity to bury it, and I'll do it. Yes, absolutely. That's what comes with playing in the league for a dozen years. You have this ability to to say stuff to the superstars. Hey, uh, there's a way to do it. There's a tact that comes with it. But first of all, he has a good relationship with Connor McDavid. I'm sure he has a good relationship with uh, Leon Dreisaitl and everybody in, in that room to the point where he can say things like that. And when you have been around, you've been to Stanley Cup Finals, you have scored 40 goals, you've got a dozen or a 10, 20-goal seasons, guys will listen. And it carries some clout. This is different than a a 21-year-old hotshot who had one good season saying something like that. This is a guy that he's seen some stuff in the National Hockey League. He's done some stuff in the National Hockey League. So when he does make a point by saying, hey, put it on net instead of making that extra pass, I'll dig it up and, and try to bury it or create chaos in front. It carries some clout. So that's a good point. I'm glad you bring that up because there is a demeanor that comes with it, and that element does exist, and it plays a factor. Yeah, and I mean, Gregor brought it up on the show a couple days ago. Like, he had the first five power play goals for the Oilers last season. Uh, to a certain extent, like, I, they're, if he's out there and they're making that extra pass, he just seems like the guy that's going to say, okay, guys, quit dicking around, throw it on net. Let's, let's generate something because yeah. we're not going to score with our fancy passing around. You're not going to pass it into the net. The power play goal that they did get on Wednesday night was exactly that. It was they they made a give and go pass and play a shot that didn't get to the net, but the rebound or the the ricochet goes right to Leon Drysaddle. Freddie Anderson's out of position because he was expecting the shot, and then he just buries it into the empty cage. It works. It isn't pretty, Connor. But it works. As long as you're lighting that red lamp more times than the opposition, doesn't matter how you do it. A win's a win. And you get those bounces to a dry sidle, uh, James Neal, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid. They're going to make you pay. Like, those guys have that skill set where they can finish that quickly. So, you know, to me, there's no downside on it. Just try to get pucks through and good things will happen. Uh, what did you think of Ethan Bear getting back into the lineup last night after being a healthy scratch a few days ago? He plays 19 minutes, gets a little power play time and penalty kill time. What did you think of his play? I, I noticed he was sharp, and, and that was kind of something that was across the board defensively, not only for the team, but the defense in general, is, is they were much better. They didn't make egregious, bad, sloppy plays, and Ethan Bear was part of that. I think the little, let's call it a slight wake-up call that, that Dave Tippett gave him, I think it resonated, and that's exactly the type of response you want from a young 
up and coming defenseman that you expect to be an important part of your blue line for a lot of years is, you know, you give him some adversity or he deals with some adversity and then he comes back stronger and, and more fired up and, and determined to, to play better. And I think we saw that and, and it helped with the team defense. It helped with the blue line in general. And now keep building on that if you're Ethan Bear. So it was a good night for him. And the minutes played, you know, hovering around that 20-minute mark, I think is pretty good for him. Uh, I know he was getting into the 23 range for a little while there early in the season. But I think that's a good bounce back after uh, a little lesson, which is which is fine. It's part of the growth process. And, Tom, just sticking with the defense there, just looking at the time on ice for the guys, with the exception of Chris Russell, every other guy played between 19 and 21 minutes. I mean, that's kind of what you want to see, right? That balance from the group as an entire uh, squad. Ideal world, you're rolling four lines and three sets of D, and, and you're not hiding guys because you're worried they're going to get buried or scored on or caved in in their own zone. And that's kind of what we saw last night. And it's a testament to the team's game in general, uh, how well the Oilers were in terms of being more efficient than they were in previous games in their own zone. So, yeah, that's that's one where you're a coach and you're probably thinking to yourself, all right, well, I'm not too worried. Everyone's on the same page. So it winds up being a pretty even night all across the board. And We'll see if they can continue that. I think the Leafs are going to come back harder. They're going to be uh, fired up. I think we're going to see a lot of this theme. Whatever team drops that first game, they're going to want the bounce back. And I think what separates the the good teams from the mediocre teams in the North Division this year is the amount of times you're able to uh, pick up that second win and, and not give that opposition any hope of uh, getting the split in the series. So... An opportunity, though, Connor, with, with those two key injuries. Maybe Matthews plays, maybe he doesn't, but that's that's uh, intriguing that he didn't finish practice on Thursday. So an opportunity to pick up a couple of wins in a row would be nice. 3-3 three and three heading into Winnipeg sounds a lot better than 2-4 and four as well. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, it's crazy how much depth the Leafs have. You know, you might not have Matthews and Thornton, but you still have Marner. Nylander, Tavares, like that team's got some depth there. Just one final quick one for you. I noticed uh, Caleb Jones obviously at a healthy scratch last night, looking like he might be one again tonight as we discuss this. You know, we're taping on Thursday, but the show airs Friday. Uh, When do you think Caleb Jones gets back into the lineup? Because, I mean, you're, you're really hoping, I guess, that the guys out there kind of play the game they did last night. The only spot I would really see it is possibly Chris Russell. I mean, mm-hmm. Cuckoo's been good. Nurse isn't coming out. Barry's not coming out. I don't think Larson's coming out. So when do you think there might be an opportunity for Caleb Jones to get back in there? Yeah, I think Russell is the one. Uh, you hit it on the head. Uh, if if he has a bad game or if uh, the Oilers run into a stretch of games where they're playing a lot, uh, maybe Russell comes out. And the other thing, too, is is uh, maybe if they lose and they start to play poorly, uh, then then you do uh, a bit of a shakeup on the blue line, get Caleb Jones back in there. And I think this is a, a good reminder for the media, fan base, uh, not so much for the team and the players because they understand the situation, but that Caleb Jones is in his first full National Hockey League season, and it's not going to be all uh, lollipops and sunshine and gumdrops and rainbows and all those wonderful things. There's going to be some some adversity, and, and this is part of it. There's going to be peaks and valleys, ups and downs. I know we lump him in a lot of times with Ethan Bear, but Ethan Bear was able to stay the course last year really well, and that's tough to do for a young defenseman. And uh, This is part of the, the maturation process for Caleb Jones. And uh, if anything, like Bear, Connor, when that time does come for him to get back in, he's fired up, hungry, and ready to go and playing like the Caleb Jones we saw in the latter half of last season when he really proved that he can play full-time in the NHL. Tom, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast once again. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and hopefully we'll get you back on down the road. I hope so, too. Always a pleasure, Connor. That is Tom Gazzola. You can hear him Monday through Friday on the Jason Greger Show, before and after every Oilers game on TSN 1260, Wednesdays with Dustin Nielsen on TSN 1260, also the Oil Stream podcast, and two guys in a goalie. He's occasionally on there as well. I think I got it all. Also, give him a follow on Twitter, at Tom Gazzola. We really appreciate him hopping on, breaking down the Oilers game on Wednesday night, and helping us set up Friday night's game as well. And right now, we're going to get to an interview that I had with a, a voice that you've heard. I'll play a clip of it right now. 
That is Mark Lewis, the legendary PA voice for the Edmonton Oilers. He was with the team from 1981 to 2016. He saw a lot of things. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Mark48Lewis. Mark, thanks a lot for doing this today and hopping on the podcast. Uh, first things first, before you got into the industry of public announcing, what were you doing and were you in the city? Well, actually, I was, uh, I've been in the media business for uh, over 40 years. I was at, uh, I was at what was known then as uh, CFRN Radio 1260. It's now TSN 1260. Back in the, uh, back in the 80s. Uh, when I played music, I was, I was on air, uh, music director. Uh, and then I get out of the, the programming end of it, and I get into sales when I left uh, CFRN. And I thought, you know, that's, I think that's really the direction to go in, because you, you have an opportunity to... Uh, I, I felt my career would be limited were I to choose to stay on air. And I felt, you know, getting staying in the staying in the industry, and I've been in it for a long time. I've worked all over Canada, but you know, getting into sales because those guys always drive the nice cars and they have the really sharp, fancy secondhand clothing. And I thought <laughs> that's for me. That's what I did. <laughs> so uh, did, before you got into radio, did people tell you that you had a voice for it? Like I never got that. I, I work in the same building now as you do. Actually, I work at twelve sixty with TSN, and I had some friends growing up that were always told you should get into radio. They never did it. I decided to. Did you ever have people tell you that? You know what people said. You know what, Mark, you have a really nice voice to be used on the PA system in a federal penitentiary. <laughs> So I thought, you know, I uh, no seriously, no one did. But what what uh, I thought was was a good idea. Uh, growing up as a young guy, going to uh, going to school, I was I was pursuing a degree in chemistry, an engineering degree in chemistry, and I because everybody else once they left high school that I at least knew that was the thing everyone did was well go off to university. Never really giving a, a possible career a thought, and I was pursuing that. And once I got out of it and was working in the lab, and, and I had been in the lab in, in the province of Quebec for several months, and I thought, you know what, I, this is this is not for me. And I was a young guy, and, you know, I, I thought, well, is this what it's going to be like for the rest of my time? So I, uh, I, uh, I had a chance to work at a radio station in Quebec City, uh, the only English one in Quebec City, and I found that to be a gas, and I, I stuck with it ever since. And, and uh, I just, um, you know, having a, a somewhat presentable voice for, for radio broadcast is fine, but, boy, you have to bring so much more than that to the uh, to your career in the radio business. You, you, you have to, it, it really, you really have to have something uh, between the years, because you have to be able to think quick. You, you know, it, it takes an ability to be on the radio these days, to communicate, to be organized, to have your, you know, your thinking organized. And that's kind of a unique talent. And I and then I progressed what I thought was into the medium. And I get into sales and I've done television sales. I'm, I'm still employed now in the broadcast industry as a sales rep. Uh, with the Indigenous uh, Windspeaker Network uh, in Alberta, and uh, as well as their digital properties across Canada, so it's something that, and it's it's done on a casual, uh, you know, four or five hours a day, uh, most days of the week, um, because I'm still, I think, wanting to work and wanting to make a contribution, wanting to enjoy, and if if you're a salesperson, you're revenue positive. So uh, it looks like you'll always have employment if you're a revenue-positive person these days. <laughs> that is good news, and uh, glad to hear you're still in the business. So you got into this, and if my research is correct here, at the 1981 Canada Cup. How did that come to be? Well, I was working at uh, CFRN 1260 Radio, and uh, Stan Ravendahl, you may remember that name, he, he's from the old Buffett Radio Chad days, and he was the he was the assistant or the backup guy to the then Oilers public address announcer, a fellow named Gordon Ross. Stan was leaving to go over to one of the Moffat radio uh, stations in Saskatchewan, and I said, "Aha!" So I called Bill Tuwilly, 
who uh, a former media guy was then the communications and PR person for the orders. And I said, Bill, I'd, li- I'd like to uh, throw my hat in the ring. And he said, well, we have the Canada Cup coming up. How proficient are you in Russian? And I said, that's my second language. How about German? My third language. Anyway, he said, how are you at pronouncing foreign names then? That'll be brand new to uh, to us in Canada. And I said, yeah, I, I, you know, I could do that. And I was able to do that. And then uh, the job led to, you know, the 81 Canada Cup uh, in August of that year led to then getting a job with the Oilers to start the 81, uh, 82 season. And, and it uh, went on for 35 years. So I feel like you probably had people ask you this because I, I get people asking me. So when you go into the radio station, you just show up at uh, two o'clock and you're on the air. But we both know there's a lot more preparation that goes into it. So what was a game day like for you? Say it was a seven o'clock start. I'd usually be there at five thirty. You'd go into the media lounge where you'd have dinner. You'd get the game notes, and uh, regardless of how many games you had under your belt or how many shows you've had under your belt if you're on air at a radio station. You always had preparation to do well before you went on the air or well before the game started. Uh, in the case of an Oilers uh, public address announcing gig. So you'd go in and get the game notes. And uh, something I started doing before anyone else started doing, uh, and I found found that out was uh, when a player scored a goal, I would announce what goal it was that that player had scored. And if they were, you know, three games into the season and he scored two goals, well, his first one, I would say, the Oilers goal, his first of the season scored by and then updated when he scored the second goal. And then I'd give uh, the assists as well if if uh, he was assisting on a goal. Um, just kind of nice to let fans know how many, how many goals that individual had scored. But you'd show up, you'd check the game, the game notes, the game lineups, to see if there were any names you were unfamiliar with, and if you were unfamiliar with, and uh, you usually go to the visiting broadcaster. Uh, never go to the television guys, because, and I say this if Louis DeBrusque is listening, he always <laughs> gave me the wrong pronunciation of names. And I owe you, Louis, if you're listening. But seriously, you'd check the pronunciation of the names, because. You know that's your name on the line when you're in there. You, you know you've got to you've got to show up, be prepared for anything that that comes your way, and uh, that's that's usually what I did. So, was there any name that you saw and just thought like, oh, great, this guy again? That you really had a hard time pronouncing? Uh, no, not usually. I would uh, I would really be careful. Uh, you know, the Russian names were a bit of a challenge at at first because. For the most part, uh, in the NHL, we were we were used to, uh, you know, a lot of English names and some French Canadian names, and I, I I speak that language as well, so I was I was okay with that. But any name like in the Canada Cup, they had people from Finland coming over, and you know I had never pronounced those names, so you really had to you really had to find out how to pronounce them, and I would kind of spell them out phonetically. Uh, and say them a number of times before the game so that it, if it came up in the game, the uh, penalty or an assist or a goal, you could pronounce it because that's why you were hired by the orders was to show up, be prepared, do a professional job. And if if, if you didn't do your prep, if you couldn't pronounce the names, you wouldn't be around very long. So if you had any pride in your professionalism, that's what you did. And it's the same as when I was a, a DJ. It'd be on the air. Well, the music would all be done for you. So you didn't have to do any music prep. You just had to prep your content between the songs. And that was expected, obviously. So you had to do your homework. You had to do your, your prep. Same thing as a public address announcer. Did you ever have any blunders during a game? Say the wrong name or anything like that? Oh, sure. I, I did a blunder once. Uh, if you're going to make a mistake and if you're going to blow it, make sure you do it big time. But it was years ago in the 80s and Mark Messier had scored a goal. And I think it was his 50th. And uh, so I I, uh, I had paper beside me and I'd keep track of the goal scorer and, and the players in on the assists. 
and then note the time the goal was scored. And I, uh, I turned on the microphone and I said, the order's goal is 50th of the year, scored by number 11, Mark Lewis. I had written, written uh, I had jotted my name down rather than the last name of Messier. So that shows you how smart I am. Messier scores the goal, and I'm not bright enough to realize you don't say your name. You should be saying Messier's name, and, and the building started laughing. <laughs> so obviously and, people picked up on it. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how could you not? <laughs> and then you correct it, and, and, you know, you make the odd mistake. and. Uh, uh, but you have fun with it, and everyone realizes it, you know, it was a mistake, and, and you fix it, and you go on. But, yeah, it happens to everybody. Uh question for you here. So, I mean, you're on during intermissions. You have to be there in case there's a goal, a penalty. Do you get any breaks during the games? Well, you can uh, – I spent a lot of time – you have to know how to focus on the game. You, you follow. You, you follow the play where the puck is. You know who's on the ice. Um, and you just sort of, it comes naturally if you've watched enough hockey, and especially if you're in the broadcast medium. Uh, you sort of know, uh, you, you follow the puck, you follow the player with the puck, and then you find out what he does with it. And, you know, you've got a pretty good idea who scores the goal. But you have to take the official announcement coming from the uh, the. Uh, the guy in the penalty box with the NHL jacket on, he, he will give you the official goal scorer, and it may be different than the person who has actually scored the goal, but you announce what he gives you in the assist. So, you know, that's – but it's you're, – you, you're able to watch the game and enjoy the game, but you've also trained yourself uh, to note what's going on in the game and in case you have to spring into action. Uh, Mark Lewis joining us here on the Other Connor podcast. And Mark, we won't keep you too much longer, but you were doing the, the PA announcing from 20, or sorry, 1981 to 2016, um, down at the Coliseum. Obviously, you saw the five Stanley Cup winning teams. You saw the group in 2006 with the run that they had. From your perspective, was there a favorite memory? Well, you know, the best Stanley Cup run, although they didn't win it that year, but the run they had in uh, 2006. When they finished the season, and I think it was either the second last or the last game of the year, and they squeaked into the playoffs, and they played the Red Wings. And that was that was the very last year Steve Eiserman played, and the Oilers won that, won that series. And I thought, wow. And I can recall Steve Eiserman being, being the very last player on the Red Wings to leave the ice surface. And that was his last ever game. But I found that, that Stanley Cup series they had against the Carolina Hurricanes that to be the noisiest and robust I've ever heard the old Rexall place, the old Northlands Coliseum to be uh, louder than the other five Stanley Cups. And I think I think they played four and won four of those Stanley Cups at home. Um, I could be corrected on that. But uh, it was so unexpected, that 2006 edition of the Edmonton Oilers. I mean... To make the Stanley Cup final and come that close, and had Dwayne Rollison not been injured, they might have won. But full credit to the Hurricanes, they won it. And uh, but that's that's what I found to be the very loudest ever. I was actually I got a chance to go to a few of those games. My cousin worked at the organization at the time and slid a few tickets my way. And Game Six against the Hurricanes, I had standing room only. I was at the very, very top. And I remember when they they got out to that early lead and scored a few goals. Like I don't think I could hear your voice making the calls. Like it was just so loud. Oh, it was crazy. It was it was just absolutely bedlam. And that goes to prove uh, how important fans are to be inside the building when there's a hockey game going on. And I say that having worked 14 or 15 games as the PA announcer this past summer for the NHL bubble at Rogers Place. And with no fans in the building, I mean, most of the experience, I'm sure you're watching the game on the ice, but players will tell you that, you know, they, they kind of feed off how the fans are reacting in the building. And so does everybody else. And fans are so important uh, to to uh, to the NHL game of hockey in North America, and I'm just hoping we can we can get back to opening the buildings up 
for the fans to come in and watch hockey live because, you know, hockey is, is the Canadian identity. Fans are so important to that process and that game, and when it's safe to do so, I know it'll happen, and I, you know, fingers crossed it happens this year. But, uh, you know, the fan brings so much to the emotion, to the content of the game. Um yeah, fans are important. You're 100% right there, Mark. Uh, just one last question for you. Uh, when you're out in public, hypothetically, you're, you're working, you're maybe out at the grocery store, does anyone recognize you by your voice? The odd time, I met with uh, a bunch of clients, four clients from up around the Grand Prairie area, uh, and one fellow in the room, and we actually met, and we had to socially distance, and that's mm-hmm. fine, and, and we wear masks, and that's fine, but the guy said, you know what? I I, I know your voice, and uh, but I just can't uh, I can't place it. And as soon as I told him, I used to do the the PA work for the Oilers at that uh, Rexall place. He said, "Oh yeah, right. That's where I've heard it." And uh, you know, I I I used to get that you know a couple of years for a couple of years after I had left as the PA. Not so much these days. Say for that example, I just. Uh, you know, it was time to move on. Time, you know, you, you, yeah, it was just time to move on, do something else. And I was treated so well by the orders for all of those 35 years. It was really a privilege to be uh, a game night part of the organization. Now, I do have a request from Jason Strudwick. I work with him on the Jason Greger Show on TSN 1260, and he says he doesn't get his number called enough when it came to goal scoring. Is there any chance you could give him one final goal call? You know what? Let me let me go into the mental archives and pull out... Uh, yes, there was a Jason Strug. He wore what, number 15, number 35? Uh, he was uh, 34 or 43 in Edmonton. 43. 43 in Edmonton. Okay, the Oilers' goal is 16th of the season, scored by number 34, Jason Strudwick. Not. <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed watching Jason play. He know he knew how to play the game the way it is supposed to be played. A good, steady defenseman. Absolutely. Mark, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. Really do appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you very much. I sure appreciate it. There it is. The longtime PA announcer for the Edmonton Oilers, Mark Lewis. The guy has watched a lot of hockey in his lifetime and seen some crazy stuff. Great, great interview with Mark Lewis. And if you want to give him a follow on Twitter, at Mark48Lewis is the handle. He can do so, and I'm sure he would greatly appreciate it. And we're going to wrap up this show tonight with a little preview. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Winnipeg Jets. Sunday night out in Winnipeg. Let's bring him in right now. Jamie Thomas. He is the analyst on the Winnipeg Jets radio network. He's worked in Toronto. He's worked in Edmonton. He's been all over the place. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Jamie Thomas. Jamie, how are you doing tonight? Uh, good. And I'm not changing my Twitter handle again. <laughs> I didn't cover all the avenues when I changed them to Jamie Thomas TV, but uh, here we are today, my friend. You know what? I've never even given that a thought. Like, I went basic with at Connor Howie, and I just said, you know, that's just what I'm going to be. You know, no matter what else I do, I'm going, I'm just going to keep it at that. You have a perfect name, though, because it's not as generic as Jamie Thomas. So <laughs> if that is my real name, after all. So the whole thing, you're, you're, you have a very original name, and you shouldn't have to change your name or change your Twitter handle. Yeah, so I'm guessing at Jamie Thomas was taken originally. Yeah, for some reason. And then I threw my birth year, and then I'm like, what am I, I, yeah, there's so many. You know, this is a conversation we probably have over beer sometimes. We'll get to it next time. Uh, let's yeah. talk about the current role you have right now doing color analyst work for the Winnipeg Jets. And, of course, with COVID regulations, you guys are unable to travel with the team. But you've got a pretty cool setup that you guys are doing working from a boardroom. Is that the case? Yeah, it is. Uh, we are down in, like, 201 Portage. Um, it's in the global slash uh, CGLB building. There's a lot more. There's a lot more office people in there, obviously. But uh, they have us in a complete uh, conference room. There's like a hundred inch television set up on the wall that we can watch from. And they're piping in the natural sound from the rink uh, wherever the Jets are playing uh, at this moment. They're in Ottawa, so we get that that piped in. So it, it's been great. The first game we did though, we went off NHL.com uh, their internet feed and it conked out in 
us with four minutes left in the third <laughs> period. So uh, Paul Edmonds, the wizard play-by-play guy at CJOB that works alongside me, just totally calls an audible. Goes from the Jets on the power play, now the net's empty. It was it was pretty – I'm sure no one would have noticed, but it was fascinating to watch. That's why play-by-play guys are the most amazing guys in this business, the fact that they can roll the punches like that. So it was it was interesting, and now we just go up the television feed because that's just the best way – the best route to go. Oh, those play-by-play guys, yeah, they are a different breed. So how, how has uh, the, the reaction been from the fan base? Has anyone picked up on it? Is there a little delay, anything like that? Uh, I think, you know, people want to know if we're traveling, right? They, mm-hmm. they want to know why you're not traveling. They want to know if the setup is permanent. Uh, you know, to me, I'm hoping nobody upstairs in the big offices go, hey, we can, this sounds just as good as this. We don't have to send these guys on the road anymore. So hopefully not enough people pick up on that and get a wise idea. But no, for the most part, uh, everybody's saying it sounds like you're there. I don't think now with with the what's going on in the outside world, people are going to be too upset that we're not on the road this moment. Uh, you know, I've had to clarify that when it's, when it's safe to do so, we will travel with the team. I've yet to get a COVID test. Uh, I've heard somewhat they're uncomfortable, so maybe this is a blessing at this moment. Yeah, I, uh, you're talking to someone who's had two so far, both throat swabs. I haven't had to do the nose one yet, but uh, right. they are definitely uncomfortable and avoid them as long as you can. So <laughs> you did travel with the team, though, for a few years. You were the host yep. of Jets TV. I, I want to ask you just about, you know, with the new regulations and the protocols, what's changed for the players? Because we heard about the news in Washington, obviously, the big fines with the Capitals and a few players. Mm. What do you think is been the biggest change for players on the road now? Well, uh, Paul Murray's kind of pointed this out today when we talked to him, uh, uh, the broadcasters. It's just kind of like the, the best place where they can get together is on the ice. You know, on the road, ordinarily, they can gather, they can have dinners. Now you're in meal rooms, right? They're, and they're, there's four people at a table, I believe, is the rules, and the tables are spaced very far apart. So guys can't get together and sit all at one table like they ordinarily would. Or, um, you know, they're not going out to movies. They can't leave the hotel. So everything is kind of, you know, there's a gym in some, you know, hotels that are made just for the, you know, they have to open up for jet, the, the teams that are in there. So it's... It's clearly not as much fun to go on the road right now, um, and I'm not complaining for them, and no one's complained to me about it, but it's just about keeping guys apart from one another. You have to wear a mask everywhere you go, so you're, unless you're eating dinner or breakfast or lunch or whatever, but all the time, even in the dressing room, the second the guys walk in the room, they got to wear their mask. So um, it's that part has changed for them, and the time where they can have fun the most and converse the most is at practice, and there's not a whole lot of practicing going on because of travel right and and the jets had a little incident with not there's not wasn't a positive test but it's the you know the old cpr ra or whatever it is and uh couldn't have practice out of safety on saturday before they left so there's been minimal practice time so it hasn't been the same get to know one another ordinary like they do at the beginning part of the year and there's no rookie dinners et cetera, et cetera, at this point so there's quite a there's a lot of things different but some guys don't go out a lot on the road anyways, right? So some guys do stay in their hotel. So it's not it's different for some, not so different for others. So Jamie, for you, now you going into this role, I mean I'm sure you were looking forward to the travel. Which market are you missing the most? Yeah, well, my all my family's in Calgary. So uh, I really like going there and seeing my mom and my dad and my you know my sister and some of my cousins. I would get to see them from time to time. Um, and then just you know rolling into Edmonton where I spent a whole bunch of my time uh, in, in this in this uh, position, not this position, but in the sports world. And I have so many friends there, and you get to talk to everybody that you haven't seen in such a long time. So th- those those markets are always great. Then I was in Toronto for a long time, so. Uh, but to be honest, man, I, I, I love Chicago. Chicago is my favorite NHL city, and um, it's it, I enjoy going there. I enjoy walking down Michigan Ave, even though I'm not shopping there because I'm not money bags, but I still <laughs> will walk up and down there, go into stores, pretend that I'm interested in buying stuff. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's that part I miss. Uh, I do like getting on the old charter jet and um, flying from place to place and zooming around. It's a big rush uh, after the game because you're hustling down to get post-game and then running to the bus to get to the airport. So the hecticness of what the NHL season is like is I kind of miss because everything's been so slow for such a long time now. And I would kind of like things to pick up, but not pushing, pushing or pressuring or complaining at this point because we're very lucky to be working. All right, Jamie, well, let's get to the team that you cover. And, of course, right now we're taping this on Thursday. What are the odds we see Patrick Liney back in the lineup on Sunday when the Oilers take on the Jets or even Saturday when the Jets take on the Senators? Oh, man, like, I, you know, just he, he skated. Before, he didn't skate today before practice, skated a little bit yesterday. 
uh, doubtful for, you know, he's been doubtful this whole road trip. So I thought with the fact that he made the trip that there would be a good chance he was playing. Uh, not so. So I'll go 50-50 just to throw it out there and to be a fence sitter. But it's it's considering the start that he had, um, scoring the opening and, and the game-winning goals, uh, almost getting into a fight, getting having a great assist. You know his presence is is sorely missed, especially on the first power play. But uh, and then you know you you wanted Tim Stutzla to go up against Patrick Laine, uh in this three game series um, between Ottawa and Winnipeg, and it hasn't happened. So clearly not as a much better chance on Saturday, Sunday when Edmonton's in town. But I, I, I'm not so sure about uh, you know it's likely going to be an off day on Friday. Uh, give him more time to you know heal, and then we'll have to see how it works out. But I'll, I'll go fifty fifty. Well, you talk about his first game, two goals, one assist, almost a fight. Like, obviously that scoring touch isn't just going to go away. He's looking like that guy who scored 44 in only his second pro season. But what do you think the ceiling is for him as a player? Because, I mean, he looks like a 50 goal scorer every year. Yeah, yeah. And there, I don't know if there is one. And I think, yeah, if he, to me, when he's engaged physically, uh, he's becoming more and more of a power forward, which he wasn't early on. Now, you, you know, clearly at 6'5, 220, you can hit anybody you want in some points, but he, he wasn't engaged that way. He's kind of getting more ornery. He's getting better in his own end. Um, and I know you can't play the game that Alex Ovechkin plays night in and night out because you'll get worn down. Uh, but I think he's enjoying that aspect. But you saw the physical side jump into a teammate's aid um, and, and then that aspect of his game. So when he plays like that, he's, he's pretty dominant. Um, I, I think 55, 50, 60 goals isn't out of reach. Clearly it's not happening this year. But I think, you know, they have Paul Stastny alongside him right now. Who knows what the situation with Paul Stastny is going to be in a couple or next season even. But you get somebody half-decent, get him the puck, he can do a lot of dangerous things. And uh, clearly the power play is where his moneymaker is and only eight power play goals a year ago. But I thought they had the right pieces and the right idea. They're going to change the look of the power play a little bit so they weren't as predictable. And I thought that was going to work out well for them. But we're going to have to wait and see. But, man, he's, he's like 40 to 50 goals every year. And then just a little more physicality to his game. I think there's a lot. There's a lot of ways to go that Patrick Lane can grow. Just an absolute stud. Another guy on the team I really enjoy watching is Kyle Connor. And I still remember yeah. the day he was drafted. Your good friend Dean Millard and Guy Flame were hosting a uh, draft day show on TSN 1260, and both off air saying, "Holy cow, they got another one!" Like this is just a guy who's going to be a player down the road. Do you think he's reached that superstar level yet? And and how much more can he grow? Yeah, I, I, I think there's lots of places. He's, he, I think he's got a 50-goal ability, clearly, um, the way he shoots the puck. Not a big slap shot guy, but, man, he can pick his spots in tight. He's got great hands. I've seen many times where he's just got right at the crossbar where it looks like there's not a lot of space when he's in front of the, you know, in the lower part of the slot and somehow finds a way to get the puck in. So uh, there's, it's, it's crazy how they've found another kid and uh, the ability to score the way that Kyle Connor has. I think he needs an all-star game uh, to his belt to get the respect that he deserves. Um, another maybe lengthy Jets playoff run to get the respect that he deserves. But I think most people that watch hockey, you know, day in and day out, know how, know how good Kyle Connor is. And uh, I know there's a lot of teams kicking themselves that didn't pick uh, him in that first round in 2015. Oh, we uh, we actually just brought DraftKings on as a sponsor. It's kind of my first time getting into the daily fantasy sports, and yeah. I did this tiers one, and I was so shocked where he was available to be picked up, and you know the price it cost you. For me, he was just a must-have every week. Like, gotta pick this guy yeah. up because he's just putting up points at such an impressive level. Kind of just trusted Dino and Gee Flaming when they said he was going to be a player. Somebody I've always watched out for. Uh, that top line for the Winnipeg Jets, Kyle Connor, Shifley, Wheeler. They just look like an absolute handful. What can Oilers fans expect from them Sunday night? Now, here's the thing. So if, if things go out and Patrick Laine ends up coming in the lineup, then Kyle Connor goes back down on the left side with Paul Stastny and, and Patrick Laine. And ordinarily, like, Ehlers was with Shifley and Wheeler to start the year. It kind of goes up and down, right? And this is the the best part about the Jets lineup is their parts can move around. Nikolai Ehlers is on the right side with Paul Stastny and Andrew Kopp tonight against Ottawa. So if it all turns out and they have another great game, then I, I assume you're going to see Kyle Connor. But if Patrick Laine comes in. But the, what I will say about this, Connor, is that they're a handful all the time. La, on, on Tuesday night, they're down 3-1. 
uh, to Ottawa, and then Maurice makes a change and puts Kyle Connor with uh, it's just puck possession, puck possession, offensive zone time over and over again. They're just relentless. They keep coming at you. So it, it's a big handful um, for any team that has to go up against them. Um, I know you know everyone's trying to figure out their game right now, but anytime Paul Maurice puts Kyle Connor with 55 and 26, it, it's a problem for anybody, no matter what part of the game it is. It's just uh, they come at you with speed. You know, Blake Lewis is a great playmaker, a big body, and uh, Mark Shifley so good with the puck on his stick uh, and always seems to find a way to get it back. So it's just that that top line is a real handful for anybody. And you saw it as uh, they tie the game up late uh, in, in the third period in Tuesday in Ottawa, and they've been doing that time and time again uh, any time they've been together. Winnipeg Jets, color analyst Jamie Thomas joining us here on the Other Connor Podcast. I want to ask you about the blue line now. Of course, the, the players that they've lost over the last few years has been well-documented, but yeah. who stands out to you in this year's edition of the team? Well, I was really looking forward to seeing uh, what Tucker Pullman could do alongside Josh Morrissey and the team's top pairing, but there's some COVID issues there. Um, haven't been able to do that. So Billy Hainala comes in. Uh, I've been really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do this year based on what we saw at the World Junior Hockey Championship, which you guys were able to, to host this year uh, in the bubble in Edmonton. But uh, he, he had to you know, go into quarantine for a bit. The fact that he played at such a high level and such a high emotional level, I think, gives him an advantage now coming out, even though he's in quarantine for so long. Uh, he'll slot in alongside Josh Morrissey tonight because of injuries and, and, and the like on the blue line for the Jets. But uh, he, I'm fascinated to see what he has. Derek Forbert uh, was added in the offseason, not because he's an offensive wizard. The Jets needed more size in the back end, so they put him on the left side with Neil Pionk. And I think if there's anybody you really want to watch for on the Jets' blue line, Josh Morrissey is an obvious choice, but Neil Pionk, you know, tied a franchise record last year for most points on the power play by a defenseman, or most, most assists, sorry, with 22. So he's been fantastic, especially on the power play, and so shifty. And although he's a small body, very physical, great with his stick, it's been an absolute joy having him here since uh, they made that trade that got sent Jacob Truba to the Rangers and got them another first-round pick, which turned out to be Billy Hainala. So it's that that's the guy I've been watching. Um, and then Dylan DeMello uh, is not on the Jets roster right now. We'll be back in the lineup as of Saturday. His wife just had a baby, and you know, with COVID, it's been very hard for them to get family into into Winnipeg um, to to help his wife out with the baby. So he he uh, stayed home. He'll be back in the lineup by the time the Jets play the Oilers on Sunday. And between the pipes for the Jets, obviously great situation yeah. with one of the top goalies in the NHL with Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. They've also got Laurent Brassois, someone Oilers fans are familiar with as a backup. In a perfect world, how many games do you see Hellebuck starting in a 56-game season? I, I would go 40. Uh, I know that the Jets have nine back-to-backs this year, so you're slotting. That's at least nine starts for Lauren Bersois. Um But Hellebuck is smart enough with the way he plays not to expend too much energy when he doesn't have to. He's been very clear about this. Um, so 40 games to me is the perfect scenario for him. You know, they were some people said maybe 20 games for Lauren Bersois. Um, but I, I still think it's like 40-16 and when the dust settles from this regular season. Uh, you you got to feel for Lauren Bressois because I think he's played well enough here to earn a chance as a number one goaltender somewhere else, but it's sure been nice having the same backup. You know, they have the same off-season coach. They have the same agent. So Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Bressois are basically, you know, buddies, and they get along very well. They push each other as, as a backup and a, a starting goaltender should do, but they truly do that day in and day out. But Connor Hellebuck, you know, Toronto was so dominant in the second period on Monday night. There was 22 shots. It was 19 nothing about halfway through the first or the second period uh, in in terms of shots on goal. And there he is. He only gave up two goals. He's not flashy, but man, is he always in position. And uh, as they try to adjust again the back end with the injuries and and, and absences, he's a the guy they've been leaning on, and he's done everything so far just in this two starts already. Can you give me one player who Oilers fans might not be familiar with right now, but maybe 40 minutes into the game Sunday, they'll definitely know who he is? Yeah, I think you clearly have to go with Mason Appleton. Uh, he's been playing on the right side with Adam Lowry, and it was Andrew Kopp on the left side on the Jets' third line, kind of entering, you know, as a former American Hockey League Rookie of the Year. This is his big chance um, to, to step in the lineup and get an opportunity to do things. Kills penalties as well. Won't, you know, has the ability to score 20 goals, but that's clearly not going to be the, the, the case this year on the third line. But a guy that can score and has proven that he can do so. So he's not going to be on your power play right now, but he 
is going to do a lot of good things that allows uh, the third line of the Jets to be productive offensively, but they'll also see a lot of them. Uh, if the Shifley line doesn't end up going against Connor McDavid's line or Leon Dreisaitl, you'll see a lot of Mason Appleton against either one of those lines as well. Great, Jamie. Thanks a lot for doing this today. Just one last final question for you. We're only a week in, but where do you think the Jets finish up in the Northern Division? Uh, either third or fourth. That's uh, I've thought about this quite a bit, and it's so scary to make a prediction this year because <laughs> of the way the division is. And I think if you look at the standings and even the Oilers, you know, beating Toronto uh, last night, it's the you know last place team beating the first place team, and that's just I think that's going to happen time and time again. Ottawa has not looked at all what a lot of people thought they were going to be. Um, so if the Jets get a healthy Patrick Laine throughout the season um, and their power play starts clicking and Connor Hellbuck stays away. I think they're a playoff team either third or fourth place. I, I agree with you. and A fun team to watch, so I'm hoping they can go on a little bit of a run in the playoffs. Jamie, thanks a lot for doing this today, and hopefully we can get you back on later down the season. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do it anytime. Excellent stuff from Jamie Thomas, the Winnipeg Jets color announcer on their radio broadcasts. Very cool stuff and kind of a look into the, what they're doing right now behind the scenes. Of course, COVID playing a role on a lot of things and the sporting industry, no different. So we really appreciate Jamie Thomas hopping on the show once again. And that's going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. I'm getting the note that i got to wrap this one up. we got to thank all of our guests that came on the show today. TSN 1260's Tom Gazzola, as well as Mark Lewis, the longtime PA announcer at Rexall Place. Really, really cool interview with him. And Jamie Thomas of the Winnipeg Jets Radio Network, their color analyst hopping on, setting us up for Sunday night's game. And of course, if you're listening on Friday morning, the Oilers set to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs, looking to make it two straight wins. If you need some pregame coverage, 4 o'clock, TSN 1260, myself, Tom Gazzola, Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick, as well as Matt Cassian, 4 o'clock start time there. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in tonight. Big shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. If you're going to sign up for DraftKings, make sure you enter the promo code THPN. Gives you a chance to win $257. All you got to do is throw down a bet on Conor McGregor to get a first round knockout in Saturday's fight. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next time on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.